All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. I want to say welcome to everybody. So good to have you here in our Florence location. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg? Come on, Lawrenceburg. It's good to have you guys in the house. Can we show some love for our Shoals campus? It's good to have you. And you'd be shocked how many people truly watch. We see people all over the United States that tune in. It's so good to have all of our guests and VIPs, wherever you're watching online, welcome. We're so glad to have you in the house. We said every week, come on, we believe Jesus sees the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe that if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Well, listen, we are finishing up our series that we started at the beginning of the month entitled March Madness. The conversation we've been having is we've just been using basketball as a powerful metaphor for the game of life, leaning into the conversation of the life of Samson specifically. Now, just real quick, how many of you guys are, are tuning in at all, in all of our locations, watching some March Madness, some March Madness? So I started off with an Alabama jersey, went to a UNA jersey. Last week, I used a ref, talk about the Holy Spirit guiding our lives. And I ended, and it was really kind of prophetic and ironic, I ended with the Tennessee jersey, because I'm going to represent our campuses. Come on, Lawrenceburg. But the Tennessee Vols, Lady Vols, they were the last team, men or women, that made it, and they were knocked out Saturday, so now you got to pick a different team or not watch at all. But whether you're a basketball fan or not, it's not really the conversation. The conversation is that all of us are in the game of life. In looking at the life of Samson, again, we've been talking about him throughout this series. If you're new to church, new to spiritual things, maybe this is a new conversation for you. Samson was this guy that ultimately God ordained. God drafted him to his team before he was ever born, put a plan and a purpose on his life. God, second of all, gave him a rule book and said, this is how I want you to live. These are the rules I want you to play by. And what we found out last week was that ultimately Samson refused to follow rules. He played the game on his own terms. And Samson Samson fouled out. Samson got benched. Samson lost his place in the rotation on God's team. And so today, as you look at the life of Samson, it probably, if I were to ask you, what, is the, what would you say about the life of Samson? What does, this, what does his life really represent? And probably for a lot of us, it's easy to look at his struggles. It's easy to look at his defeats. It's easy to look at his bad choices, knowing what God wanted to do in his life knowing the plan that God had for him and wanted to use him, it's probably easy to look at the life of Samson and say the life of Samson represents a life of lost opportunities, a life of disappointments, and a life of heartaches. But I think if you'll go with me today, and I'm excited with the message God's laid on my heart, what you will find the life of Samson truly represents, it is, it is a story of redemption and second chances. How many people here have ever needed redemption and second chances? I want you to know that you're in the right place. If you're in Lawrenceburg or Shoals, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of redemption. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God of new beginnings. Come on, is anybody thankful for the God who is so gracious? And so again, as you lean into a story, I want us just to go with this. I want you to think about basketball, like a lot of sports, it's easy for competitors to get hurt on the court. And sometimes when they get hurt, sometimes they're out for a few weeks. Sometimes they suffer a season-ending injury. Sometimes if the injury's bad enough, a competitor on the court will experience a career-ending injury. There's a guy by the name of Sean Livingston. He's, he's not a tier one player. He's been a journeyman throughout his career. He's played on some pretty good teams. Lastly, he played on the 2016 uh, Warriors who was beaten by my Cleveland Cavaliers. Let me just... 
you ain't, you ain't got to celebrate with me. I'm going to celebrate anyways. But he put up a heck of a fight in the very first game. Actually, uh, the Cavs lost the first game because of the play of Sean Livingston. What you may not know about Sean Livingston is early on in his career, three years in, he was hurt. I would not encourage you to watch the video. Do not Google it, which means you will watch it and you will Google it. Uh, but he went up and came down on his knee in an absolutely gruesome fashion. If you know anything about human anatomy, our doctors, or PTs in the house, he tore his ACL, he tore his PCL, um, he tore his meniscus, he strained his, uh, his MCL, he dislocated his tibia fibular joint, and he dislocated his patella. When the doctors looked at him, the first recommendation was to amputate his leg. And when he refused amputation, they told him, well, uh, Mr. Livingston, you may walk again, probably not with much mobility, but you're definitely not going to compete again. And in spite of this tremendous fall, he refused to take the word of the doctors. And he was able, obviously, with lots of help to rehab and to push himself back onto the court where he gave another 10 years on the court. I don't know about you, but man, that's pretty amazing. And here's what I want you to hear in his story. What I want you to hear maybe today in your story is that your fall doesn't have to be final. Everybody say that together with me. All of our campuses, your fall doesn't have to be final. Say it to the person next to you. Your fall doesn't have to be final. Now, maybe you're in this room or you're in one of our campuses and you've not been hurt physically on the court. And so maybe there's this disconnect, but maybe the pain you've experienced is emotional. Maybe the pain, like the pain that he experienced, Sean Livingston, yours is physical. Maybe the pain and the this trouble that you're facing is spiritual. And what we find is that in the life of Samson, in the life of Sean Livingston, in the life of so many of us in all of our campuses, that sometimes we go through something like we find ourselves down, where we find ourselves out, where we just want to tap out, we just want to give up, where the report is you're never going to come back, you're never going to make it, your marriage is over, your life is over. Like We just feel like sometimes we find ourselves in a place where like we might as well tap out on life. But I've come to tell you today that your fall doesn't have to be final, no matter how hard you've fallen, how far you've fallen, no matter how much you feel like you've disappointed God, no matter how much you've messed up in life, no matter how many times you've fallen, I want you to know today that God you serve is able to pick you up, wipe you off, and put you back in rotation in the game that he's called you to in the game of life. So last time we spoke, we had the conversation about where Samson finds himself. Remember, even though he was called early, drafted to God's team, we found out that he just continued to break the rules. And one of the biggest struggles that Samson struggled with was his relationships with women. He continued to date and sleep with women that were outside of the nation of Israel, which was just out of bounds for God. We find him in brothels, sleeping with prostitutes. And ultimately, the last conversation we had was Samson ends up with his head in the lap of Delilah. This woman, her key job, her goal is to make sure that this strong man in God's army is taken out. She wants to find the secret of his strength, which is his hair has never been cut but it's really not his hair. It's what his hair not being cut represents, which means he was committed to a life of serving and honoring God, which again, he got off the rails in that. So here he is with his head in the lap of Delilah. She has his hair cut. He loses his strength. And worse, one of the worst scriptures in all of the Bible is that the spirit of the Lord left Samson and he didn't even know it. Like God's presence because of his continued rebellion, because of his continually playing out of bounds, because he continued to foul out of the game, God's presence left Samson and he didn't even know it. And today, this is where his story picks up. In Judges chapter 16, verse 21, 
It says, so the Philistines captured him. If you remember, the Philistines were the very people that Samson raised up to defeat. So instead of Samson defeating the Philistines, the Philistines had defeated Samson. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Cheesy or not, I'm not sure, but I remember a preacher one time said a long time ago, when his eyes are gouged out and he's bound with bronze chains and he's grinding grain in the prison, that these are ultimately the consequences of this, his decisions. He didn't want to be there, didn't want to end up there, but that's where he ended up. And the way I heard a preacher say it a long time ago is that sin blinds, binds, and grinds. That I just want you to know today, whoever you are, whatever you're going through, that at the end of the day, possibly you are where you are because of choices and decisions you've made. Sometimes we find ourselves in life victim of the decisions other people make, but if we're honest, most of the times it's our own decisions that lead us where we are. And when you choose to live out of bounds and play the game of life by your own rule book, ultimately you are going to live a life of sin. And sin blinds. It will make you spiritually blind to what's right, to what honors God. It binds. You will find yourself bound up in life, maybe bound up in addictions, maybe bound up in your mind, oppressed in life, and grind where you just feel like you just can't break the oppression. And I want you just to picture this guy that we've been talking about for three weeks, the strongest man who ever lived, that God drafted him on his team, had this incredible call for his life, and he did some pretty incredible things. And in this one moment of life, I want you just to see him standing there. His eyes gouged out in utter humiliation. The people he should have overcome now have him bound and changed chains. And at one point, he could have easily shattered and broke. Now he's bound by. The pain of his decisions, not just physically, but emotionally. See, I don't have to paint this picture too vividly because all of us in this room and in our campuses, if we're honest, we probably have been there. Have you ever felt the weight of shame? Ever looked at somebody who looked at you with disappointment? Ever put yourself in a, in, a, in, a, in a place in life by your own choices that you wish you could get out of, but you just didn't have the power to see your way out of it? Because this is Samson's story. So I just, I just want to ask you how, do you, how do you get back in rotation when your choices have put you in a place of sin where you're bound up and you feel like you're so far from God and God is so far from you? My hope is today that some of you who have shown up at any of our campuses or online, that you're going to hear a story of hope and you're going to hear a story of redemption, not just for Samson and not just for Sean Livingston, but for you, that you can walk out of this room and you can tune off of this broadcast and you can know that God has redeemed your life and he's restored your story because that is the God that we serve. Your failure and your fall is not final. Say that with me. It is not final final. Come on, somebody worship the Lord here. So there's another verse I want us to, to look at today that's kind of cool. So we're at the end of his life. Here is Samson. He's in prison. He's bound up. His eyes are gouged out. He's grinding grain in the prison. But I want us to go back earlier in his life because there's this verse, and I intentionally skipped over it early, and it's a pretty powerful verse that tells the story early of the life of Samson. Remember, God picked him. God drafted him before he was ever born. An angel told his, his mom and his dad, hey, I'm going to give you a child even though you've been, been barren and you couldn't have any kids. I'm going to give you a kid. And he's got an incredible call on his life. He's going to be a judge. He's going to be this political military leader in the army of God. 
Well, remember early on, if you've been with me in this journey, early on, his story is found in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. In Judges 14, in the, in the kind of the early years, he's probably a teenager, probably a young man at this point. Early, he starts to get off the rails. And this is where he wants, he goes and he falls in love. Remember, he sees this woman and falls in love with her. Like, he don't know her name. He don't know her phone number. All he knows is he looks at, he look, he looks at her and he likes her. And he wants to be with her. And so she's outside of the nation of Israel. So God says no. And he pushes his parents to get her this girl, which her, his parents should have stood up and said no. Come on, parents. Sometimes you got to tell your kids no. But they co-signed his decision and went and got him this woman. Now, I want you to read this verse with me because it's pretty profound what's happening. Early in the life of Samson, as God is looking at the choices he's already beginning to make. Judges 14, verse 4, I want us, all of our camps, I want us to read this together. His father and mother didn't realize, watch this, the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. No, you're saying, what's happening there? See, God already saw that Samson was going off the rails, that Samson was already starting to play out of bounds, that Samson was already starting to break the rules. What God's word is saying, it's not saying that God was co-signing Samson's decisions or behavior. It wasn't saying that God was okay with what he was doing. What the word is saying is God was making a way to even work in his bad decisions. See, sometimes we feel like we find ourselves in a place of life that we can get so far from God that God stops working in our life. And I want you to know you can be in the most desperate place you can be in the bottom of the barrel you can be in a broken place and God still has a plan God still has a purpose and God is still working God said I know Samson where your decisions are going to lead you and I still got a plan for you and I'm going to work in your most desperate moment even when you find yourself with your eyes gouged out in prison I want you to know I, that's not my plan for you to get there but when you are there I'll be there because I still got a plan for you come on somebody I want you to listen to there is a purpose in your pain and a plan in your prison. If you find yourself today in a tough place in life and you feel like God's abandoned you, I want you to know he's not done with you. He's not stopped working in your life. He's not finished with you. His plan isn't over for you. His purpose isn't finished. Come on, does anybody know that God is still working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? If you walked into this place discouraged, you're in the wrong house. If you came here bummed out, you're in the wrong place because I want you to know something. I don't care where you're at mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. God has not abandoned you. And God looking down the path of Samson's life said, I don't want him to go there, but if that's the choice he makes, I'm still going to be there. And I'm going to make a way for him to fulfill the purpose on his life. And so you go from this incredibly difficult verse that the presence of the Lord abandons Samson because of his decisions to one of the most inspiring verses in my estimation of all of scripture. And here it is. Here's Samson at the end of his life. He's in prison. He's bound up. His eyes gouged out. And the Bible says this. They want us to read this together with some passion and excitement. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Woo! Y'all didn't read it. Let me read it again. But before long, 
What was the source of his strength? It was his hair, not really his hair, but the presence of the Lord. And because the presence of the Lord abandoned him, he lost his strength. But in a moment of desperation, in a season where he felt like he was down forever, before long, his hair began to grow back. Anybody here need their hair to grow back? I ain't talking about up here. I'm talking about your spiritual hair. I'm talking about your strength in the Lord. I'm talking about your confidence in God. Anybody here, come on, you want your hair to grow back. And his hair began to grow back. Now, here's what's crazy is even though his hair began to grow back, he was still in prison. So it's kind of this dichotomy, like on one hand, it looked like his life was trending up, but his circumstances were still trending down. Now, here's what you need to know today is that God's grace covers eternal consequences, not temporary consequences. Let me say that again. When you come and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, who gave his all on the cross of Calvary, who died for the sin of all humanity, including yours, including your worst, including mine, including my worst. Not just what I did yesterday, but what I did today and what I will do tomorrow. Jesus covered it all on the cross of Calvary. Is anybody thankful for that? And when Jesus came and he did all that he did, when you come to Jesus in true faith and in true repentance and you call on the name of Jesus, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you do that, Jesus absolutely cleans the slate and reconnects you with your creator, that all of your choices and all of your decisions, all the things you did to play out of bounds for your entire life, because of what Jesus did, you are absolutely 100% forgiven and you become God's kid forever and he becomes your heavenly father forever. And that's pretty profound. But here's what you need to know is because you pray to prayer, because you put your faith in Jesus, while God changes our relationships this way, he doesn't change our consequences sometimes this way, which means even though we're about to see Samson get restored, he's still in prison. I know people, and I've had conversations with people. I just had a conversation with a man probably about six weeks ago. Tell him I'll call him back. I'm in the middle of preaching. <laughs> They're like, oh, crap. I had a conversation with somebody about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago or so, who was in prison for about 15 years for producing and dealing meth and found Jesus and came into a relationship with Christ in prison. And here's what I want you to know. When he came to this decision where he recognized he was broken, he was bound, he was blind, and he was grinding in life. Someone came and presented the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There is somebody who loves you, who cares for you, who gave his all for you. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus, it'll change your life forever. And in a moment, he told me, he said, even though I was still in prison, my chains was broken. But what I don't want you to miss is even though he was in prison, his chains were broken, but he was still in prison, which means when you come to Jesus, Jesus will change your heart, but God, it takes time to change your life. God will change what's on the inside, but sometimes it takes time for you to partner with God to change what's happening on the inside, which means my promise is you you can get restored and get back on God's team today, but it doesn't mean everything in your life is going to magically fix overnight. Are y'all track with me? Samson was still in prison. You can be in prison and love Jesus, but you're still in prison. And this is exactly where we find Samson. He's in this incredibly difficult spot where he's still in prison, but his hair, come on somebody, his hair began to grow. And then the story goes on. Watch this. It says this in Judges chapter 16, verse 28 and verse 30. So Samson, he's in prison. His eyes are gouged out. And it says this, verse 28 and verse 30, that now the Philistines, they want to humiliate him. So they call Samson out basically to entertain them. So imagine there's 3,000 Philistine elite. Like there's this garden party 
and they're looking for some entertainment and they're tired of playing horseshoes, they're tired of playing cornhole and they're like, hey, bring out Samson, the strong man. And they bring him out and the Bible tells us that he's positioned between these two pillars of the temple of Dagon. Dagon was the God that the Philistines worshiped, the grain God. And so here is this strong man, his hair is beginning to grow, his strength is beginning to be restored and he's positioned between these two pillars and it says this in verse 28 and verse 30. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, everybody say these words with me, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray. Let's say these two words, remember me and strengthen me. Everybody together, all locations, remember me and strengthen me. One more time, because you need to pray today. Remember me and strengthen me. I pray just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one with his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. And so the dead he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. See, I don't know if you see this, but... Even though Samson made bad decisions, God was in the process of using even the bad decisions he made. Where God said, I don't want you to go out of bounds and I don't want you to play by your own rules. But God said, even if you go out of bounds and even if you play by your own rules, there will be consequences, but I still want you back and I still want you in rotation and I still want you on my team and I still want to use you in your life. So listen to me, you never need to give up on God because God will never give up on you. And Samson, in this moment of desperation, he is still in prison, but I want you to see that prison was the very best place he could be because even when he was out in the world, he had his eyesight, but he had no vision. He had his freedom, but he had no faith, but it was inside the prison. It was in the most desperate place in life that God was able to get his attention and restore what really mattered. And that was his faith. And that was his vision that there was a God who didn't abandon him that he could call out to. And there was a God who could restore his strength if he'd only put his faith in it. I'm just telling you, whoever you are and whatever you've been through and whatever you're going through, if you will turn your heart and your eyes on Jesus, you may not be able to see five foot in front of you because all you see is chaos and all you see is disaster and all you feel is heartache and all you sense is bondage but there is a God who will answer the call of your prayer and he will do what no person can ever do for you and what you can never do for your strength and God will cause your hair to start to grow again and God will restore your strength and he will use you in your last hour in your most desperate moment so he says this two things he prays remember me everybody say it remember me and strengthen me it's an interesting prayer remember me Remember me. How can a God who is omniscient, how can a God who knows everything ever forget? There's some things that God says about you and I. He says things like this, that the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows every hair numbered on every head in this room. He's done less counting for some than for others, but I digress. <laughs> He's got to the bottom line quicker with some of us than others. Every hair on your head is numbered. Every tear you've ever cried is stored in his bottle. The Bible says he, you are engraved in the palm of his hand. 
His word says the number of your, the, the days of your life are numbered in his book. I'm just telling you, God knows who you are before you were ever born. He knows every day you'll live and how you'll live them and the choice you make. He knows your name, your mama's name, your great mama's name, and your great great grandma's name. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows every word, every deed, every action, every thought, every decision you did make, you will make today and you will make tomorrow. He knows everything there is to make. And so Samson should know this being a good religious person raised in the Old Testament. So why would you ever pray, God, remember me? See, the prayer of, that he prays isn't really about God remembering remembering him. Life change happens and revival happens. Not when you think God remembers you. It's when you remember God. Because sometimes I think we just live life at such a, a rapid pace. Is anybody here this, where you just wake up and you just wake up into the grind. The Bible says he was grinding grain. You ever feel like life's a grind? You just wake up and as soon as you hit the ground, like it's running and you wake up and you got to be at class or you got to be at work or you got to drop your kids off at daycare and you go put in nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, and you come dragging home and like, all you know is I got to get some clothes clean and I probably need to straighten the house. Got to get the kids bathed. I got to get ready for tomorrow. And sometimes life feels like a grind. And when you're going on a grind 24, seven, three, six, five, it's easy to live life on your own terms and forget God. But what would happen if every single person in this room and every single person in Lawrenceburg and every single person in Shoals remember there was a God who remembered them, that God didn't forget you. God didn't abandon you. God has not forgotten your name. God's not forgotten your circumstances. God knows where you are, what you're feeling, what you're going through. God still has a plan for your life. It's not about God remembering us because he never forgets. It's about us remembering God. And for Samson's entire life, I told you this last week, it's only recorded that Samson prays two times. This guy who was raised with faith, God had a plan for his life. And it's in this last moment of life that he remembered, oh yeah, I, I can pray. I'm just telling you, it's a secret sauce of life change is prayer, is going to a God who is with you and for you in prayer. And Samson says, Lord, remember me. And the second thing he prays is what? Strengthen me. Now, here's what he's saying is his entire life, I think he bought into his own hype. I think he bought into his own story that he was as good as everybody told him he was. And I think he forgot that his strength wasn't really his strength. His strength came from the Lord. And when you forget where your finances come from, you'll get selfish. And when you think where your success comes from, you'll get prideful. When you think your success depends on what you, who you are, what you've done, where you've gone to school, how much money you have in your bank, I'm just telling you, you'll get arrogant and you'll forget God. But when you understand you're blessed, you're prosperous, you're healthy, you're strong, you have finances in the bank. You have breath in your lungs because there is a God who's got a plan for your life. There is a God who is sovereign. Come on. It's not who you are, and what you've done. It's who he is and what he's done. And for one moment, Samson remember God, it was never my strength in the beginning. God, give me my strength back. Remember me and strengthen me. And he comes to God. And ultimately in this moment, I want you to think about this. Think about where Samson's at. Think about the jeering and the cheering and the name calling. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but I imagine the throwing stuff. He's blind. He's bound. And he's there in a moment to entertain the very enemies of God. And I want you to know, sometimes we find ourselves in life where we feel utterly humiliated. And if everybody knew everything there was to know about you, you would feel utterly humiliated. And some of you, the story's out. And some of you, the people know the details. And you don't have to imagine what it feels like.
And in this moment, I want you to know, God didn't really want him to be humiliated. God wanted him to be humbled. And if it takes you being humiliated to get you humble, God will allow your story to come out so you'll remember the God you've forgotten so he can restore the strength that you've lost. God is able to restore strength. Your fall isn't final. Your failure isn't fatal because God's not done writing your story. Come on, is anybody thankful for that? Here's what the Bible says. Listen to what James says. James says, God opposes the proud. I want you to read this. If you're here today and you need a second chance, you need a redemption story written, God gives grace to the humble. And so here's the command. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. What does Samson do in that moment? He goes from Samson's prayer, Lord, remember me, to Samson's humility, Lord, strengthen me. It's not who I am, it's who you are, to Samson's victory. And in this moment, he pushes against these pillars with all of his might. He is pushing with every ounce of strength God's giving him. And the Bible says this temple of Dagon crashes, not just on the head of Samson where he dies, but he takes with him 3,000 Philistine elite. It was in Samson's greatest vulnerability that he experienced his greatest victory. See, some of you don't like where you are. I'm telling you, God can use the most tragic circumstances in life to do something great. And he brings down this temple on the head of the Philistines. And in that moment, again, the Bible says he killed more, he destroyed more, he fulfilled his call more in that moment than any other moment in life. Here's what I want you to know. Your fall doesn't have to be final. Everybody say that with me, all of our campuses. Your fall doesn't have to be final. There's a, there's a great verse found in the book of Proverbs. I want just to lean on for a few minutes. It says this, it says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Anybody here ever trip? Anybody ever trip? I want you to know a secret. I don't know if you realize when it happened, but you got up again. Do you know why I know that? Because here you are. If you didn't get up again, you would still be where you tripped laying on the ground but you got up again. And the Bible says the righteous person, even though they fall, everybody say this seven times. Now, I don't know if you caught it because some of you are way too churchy and you don't think anybody should ever fall. You don't think everybody should stumble. And when someone stumbles, someone falls, someone disappoints your standards, you point fingers at them and tell them how much they don't love Jesus. The Bible says even the righteous man, even the people that feel like they got it all together, even the people that feel like they're organized and life is going their way. The Bible says even the righteous people, everybody say the righteous people. That means not the church people. That means the people who truly love God and follow him. Even the best of the best sometimes fall, struggle, miss the mark, and we still experience shame and disappointment. Where's all my real people at? Are you all in the house? But here's what he says is, even though you fall, don't stay down. Your goal is to get up again. Your goal is to get up again. Say, the goal is get up again. Even though you may fall seven times, keep getting up. Now, here's what's crazy. First of all, the Bible uses the number seven. The number seven means completion. So it's not by accident. It doesn't say the righteous person falls five times or 10 times. Or it would feel really dramatic if it said a righteous man falls 100 times. The Bible says seven because it's specific, the number of completion, which means you fall as far as you think you can fall. You, far as, you fall as bad as you think you It's You completely fell. Like you're at the bottom of the barrel. You're, you're bound and addicted. You're struggling with addiction. You are overwhelmed with shame. You feel like your story's over. You just went through divorce and you feel like you don't even know how to move forward. Like that's you. You have fallen completely. But it's better than that. 
The word fall doesn't mean just to fall physically and it doesn't just mean to fall into sin. It also means, watch this, to fall and prostrate yourself, to fall on your face. So it's almost like this play on words. Like, how do you get up again when you, when you, when you fall in completely? Because if you're going to get up, your final fall isn't a fall of failure. It's a fall of humility in the presence of God. God, I've blown it. I've messed up. I can't pick myself up. I don't know the way through. Everybody said I'll never get up again, but I'm turning to a God of restoration and second chances. And if there's anybody who can pick me up, if there's anybody who can restore me, if there's anybody who can write my story, I might have missed opportunities, but God can give me new opportunities. I might have missed some things in my life, but God can still use my call. It's laying down in the presence of God saying, I'm going to humble myself underneath the mighty hand of God. And God, your promise is that you're going to pick me up, that you're going to restore me to a place of honor. And I don't care what my enemies say. I don't care what the people who look at me in shame say. I know what God says. And even though I have fallen over and over and over, I'm going to make sure my final fall is in humility before God who will pick me up again. Come on, somebody. And so Samson, he experiences humility. We don't know how old he is, probably about 40 years old at this stage. And it's like for the first time in life, he realized I can't do this thing alone. And some of you have been trying to do it alone on your own terms. And the secret sauce of Samson wasn't his strength, was his humility that he finally found in the last hour. Remember me and strengthen me. Say that with me. Remember me, strengthen me. I want to read just two more verses. So we close not just today, but this series. Again, they're found in the very beginning before Samson is even born. And I want you to miss, again, if you were here for week one or you've read his story, we don't know Samson's mom's name. We know his dad's name is Manoah. So Manoah and Manoah's wife, that's how we know him. They've been barren, not been able to have kids. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord comes and tells Manoah's wife that God's going to give you a kid and he's going to be an incredible kid. He's going to have a call on his life. But what I want you to see is I'm going to read two verses. The first verse is what the angel said to Manoah's wife. And the second verse I read is the report Manoah's wife went and gave Manoah. So the first verse is what the angel said to Samson's mom. The second verse is what Samson's mom told Samson's dad. And I want you to notice they're not the same. Here's what the angel said. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut and he'll be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Watch this. Everybody read this with me. And he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Read that last part again. He will begin. That's the promise. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And so, man, she's fired up. I mean, if you have an encounter with the Lord, you're telling somebody or nobody, right? So she runs to Manoah. You're not going to believe this. And I just met an angel in the field. We've not been able to have kids, but he told me we're going to have a kid. He's going to be incredible. God's going to do great things with him. He's going to have a Nazarite vow on his life, which means he got to play by the rules if he's going to play God's game. And so she tells Manoah, watch this. This was the report now. Manoah's wife tells Manoah, here it is. Watch this. For your son, this be the, I'm sorry, the rest of this verse. For your son, here it is right here. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. So the angel said, 
I'm going to begin to do something in his life. And she runs and says, he's not just going to start it, he's going to finish it. Do y'all see the gap? God said, I'll start it. There's no guarantee I'll finish it. Manoah's mom said, God's going to start it and God's going to finish this thing out. Now, who's right? Well, you can't change what God said. I think the reason for the discrepancy between what the angel said and what Manoah's wife reported is because sometimes we just assume if we're okay with God, we're forever okay with God. Hey man, I prayed a prayer when I was at camp when I was four, when I was, you know, seven years old. I was at VBS and I prayed this prayer and like God's just gonna finish what he started and I don't have to participate. I think what God was saying is I'm gonna start something in you and as long as you play by my rules and participate in my game, I'm gonna do great things in your life. Even if it means in the midnight hour coming in humility, I'll still restore you. But some of us, we just think because we prayed a prayer because we showed up in church and I remember one time, a long time ago, I was baptized and everything must be okay. God's saying, no, there's the promise of a start but there's no promise of a finish because the only way you can finish well is if you participate and you play by my rules which means some of you are in this room and some of you are in Lawrenceburg and on the Shoals and you started well but you're not finishing well but you don't really care because you lean back on what was said a long time ago as long as you pray the prayer the worst thing that's happened to American Christianity is pastors have stood up on platforms like this and just said if you'll just pray a prayer everything's okay and you never have to do anything again and that's not the Bible and that's not scripture Jesus said if you're gonna follow me you got to take up your cross which means you got to lay some stuff down you got to die to yourself and then come follow me Jesus said you got to leave some people behind because they can't come with you where I'm taking you you can either go with them or you can come with me but you can't have it both ways God said you got to lay down some appetites because you want to keep eating there you can't eat come on at the table of the Lord that I'm going to prepare for you in the presence of your enemies. Come on, God said, if you're going to do it my way, you can't just start well, but if you'll participate with me, if you'll be humble with me, God says, I'll make sure I write your story to the very last moment, and I'll use you for great things. The discrepancy is participation. Doesn't matter how good your coach is. Players got to play the game. We have the greatest coach in the history of life. His name is Jesus. But you got to play the game. So let me just ask you a question as we close this series. The story of Samson, when you first lean into it, it seems so far removed, doesn't it? This strong man, on one hand, doing incredible feats, on the other hand, experiencing incredible failures. And a lot of us, if we're honest, we feel like we're in the middle. We're not doing anything really great. We don't really feel like maybe we're doing anything really bad. And so therefore, it's not our story. And the story is we all have strengths. We all have struggles. Can I, can I just get an amen there? We all have strengths and we all have struggles. And the way you see God do something great in your life is to pray a simple prayer with all of your heart and live it every day. Lord, remember me and Lord, strengthen me. Will you pray that with me one more time? Father, all over this room, we ask you to do this. Come on, say it with me. Lord, will you remember me and will you strengthen me? Father, so many of us in this room, if we're honest, we woke up and came to church. We tuned in online. We walked into a campus, but we've forgotten you. We're living life on our own terms, at our own speed, in our own way. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that we will remember you. We'll remember who you are. We'll remember the plan that you have for our lives. We'll remember the call to play by your rules in a culture that is playing life on their own terms. I pray in Jesus' name, we'll be people that follow you. And Lord, I pray you'll strengthen us that the success we will find in life, God, the things we will achieve for the glory of the name of Jesus, it's never in who we are. It's always in who you are. And so Lord, strengthen us.
And I pray for everybody in this room and everybody in Lawrenceburg and everybody in Shoals that's in a season of shame and guilt and bound up and grinding and addicted and struggling and broken and heartache. That God, they would hear today that you are, even in the latest hour of life, you can be a God of restoration and second chances. And if you did it for Samson, you can do it for us. And so Lord, we turn our lives to you in all of our failures and all of our falling. Let our most significant fall be a fall on our face before you in humility. That God, you'll pick us up in glory. In Jesus' name, that everybody who agrees said amen.